Um, it is 22 minutes past one and of course we are looking at uh, Edward Chamberlain Bell's discussion about uh, whatever, what we'll be doing for those of us of course who are looking to spend some money maybe just relax a bit um, Johannesburg is a treasure trove and uh, sometimes we talk about Joburgers and there's a discussion that I have I love talking to people who are actually born in Joburg and people who call themselves Joburgers and a lot of the time we don't know enough about Johannesburg but to give us a clearer picture and to stop making assumptions we do count on Edward Chamberlain Bell who's with us as usual in studio to chat about the ins the outs and even brand management I talk about him as well as a as one of a, an award-winning blogger. So here he is without further ado. And uh, Edward, thank you for joining us and welcome. How are you? It is always my pleasure to be here with you, Wasanga. Admittedly, I speak a lot slower at half past one in the morning, but that that's because I prefer not to have coffee. Mm. And talking about assumptions, I didn't know that you were from the Eastern Cape. Yeah. And you didn't know that I was from the Eastern Cape either. I think I might have because that's why we get along. <laughs> Probably. I think the best people come from the Eastern Cape. Very but true. interestingly enough, I heard that a lot of people, the most productive people in Johannesburg, are the people who have moved from the other provinces because there's, you talked about economic mm. migrancy earlier, mm-hmm. which I don't think is an offensive term. I think it's like global. That's why I adopted it because Helen Ziller came up with it and obviously she's the. Uh, what would you say? Assumed, uh, <laughs> assumed uh, evil for a lot of people. But I, sometimes I like to look at people, and when I say that, um, I like to look at things differently. Um, it includes that she's highly unpopular, especially amongst the majority of black people. Sometimes they think that she's insensitive. But I thought that term specifically. I was like, you know what? It actually makes sense. It makes sense. You look at the amount of people who have moved globally, mm. and we are talking about. Trevor Noah and also Charlize Theron, mm. as brilliant and as talented as what they are, which is undisputed, mm. there is no way they would have been able to achieve that level of success in South Africa because mm. we don't have that money and that funding to support the arts. Um, they did very well, but they would never have achieved their full success had they not emigrated. Yeah, you just ameliorated that discussion and moved it out of politics, you know. Everything converges and uh, and that kind of discussion is, is very... You brought it home instead of just hardline because I was just trying to question things behind it, but they are migrants, but they're not seen as migrants because of the prestige of their roles and how they've... Be- look at Look at Trevor, for example. We also making assumptions that it's easy for him and now we see that the TV show, because he was going so hard at Donald Trump sometimes. I'm like, Trevor, don't do it. <laughs> because we know that the identity crisis. You're going to find yourself Mexican Ooh. very quickly. Ooh. Okay, but yeah, getting back to our discussion, of course, Edward has a very successful digital asset called hashtag travel Jersey style. And um, this takes him into different experiences from cuisine to travel to accommodation. And I think uh, I always say this, and it's almost as if they listen to our show. Short Left is really trying much harder since I've <laughs> I don't know if they, <laughs> I don't know if, if, if it's because of a subconscious kind of thing, but they seem to be more visible. But I question the impact. But anyway, to get a much more closer idea of uh, the experiences available, we start off with Chef Coco Renard. Is that how you say it? Let's just say yes. <laughs> I always call him Chef Coco Renard, okay. but it's actually Chef Coco Renard mm. with a D. Mm. And now you talk about economic migrancy. Chef Coco, it's an 
easier. Chef Coco is actually, his heritage is partly French and partly Central African. And yet he is working in bringing incredible cuisine into South Africa. Mm. So what a culinary loss and a financial loss it would have been if he had not come here. Because you talk about foreigners taking jobs. Mm. Well, here's an example of a foreigner who's actually creating jobs, feeding people and feeding communities Mm. I think the South African culinary landscape would be a lot poorer without him. And uh, of course, we know that he explores the luxury of African cuisine at his restaurant in Epicure. And I always say to you, hmm, I've seen this before, African cuisine, just slap that sign on, we run in and we find, oh, okay, a small poikikos uh, pot, the generic dombolo on the side. How do they do African cuisine differently at Epicure? I think what Chef Coco does really well is he's proudly African and coming from Central Africa, his flavor, or having lived in Central Africa, his flavors are very different to a South African palate. I notice he uses a lot of plantain, which we don't really use in South Africa, and a lot of peanut, a lot of different spices. Um, even his chili profiles are different to what we are familiar with in mm. South Africa. But now he elevates it with a French twist using modern classic techniques to create really beautiful dishes. And in terms of plating and presentation, and I don't want to say he's adopted French cuisine, mm. but he's merged the best of two to actually create signature dishes that are uniquely his own. Sounds and quite elaborate. He actually, this is what I find is sort of touching what you said is often we think of African cuisine as being poverty stricken and mm. walkie talkies and pup and mm. whatever. But there are so many fantastic ingredients mm. that we need to learn how to use to their best advantage was, in South Africa. Yeah, I was, um, I, I, my face immediately lit up when you talked about plantain because I used to be like, you're frying bananas. And then I have a Nigerian friend, uh, Kosike, makes the most phenomenal meals using plantain. And I was like, are we going to eat banana? It's like, it's not banana. Calm down. And then he cooked it and he mixed it with a lovely uh, mince and, and, and rice and all these ingredients. I'm like, but this is mince and rice, but it tastes amazing because of the ingredients and how he prepared it. I and could also not the texture it. of plantain yes. and the flavor. It's not sweet like mm -hmm. a banana. It's very different. It looks like a banana. That's about the only similarity mm -hmm. that there is. Mm -hmm. But it is a very affordable and sustainable food source that we're not really exploiting fully. Mm -hmm. And I think very often, and I think this is not a racial thing, but a cultural thing, but mm -hmm. we're very suspicious of eating another country's cuisine. And I'm thinking like France, for example, frog will legs. eat yeah, frog legs and snails. And we think yeah. those are pests. Mm. Um, it's, cu it's cuisine there. It is cuisine. It's like high-class elevated cuisine. It's not... I've actually got a ton of snails in the cupboard at the moment, but you really need to find ways to actually use it. Mm. But then also you go into the Asian countries who literally, we joke, mm -hmm. will eat virtually anything. But... When you look at world hunger and the politics of hunger, there are so many food sources. Like we mm. turn our noses at cultures that eat insects. Yes. And taking it one step further, I know, and I don't approve mm. of this, but I know like in China, for example, they have the, their cat and dog festival. And when I say cat and dog festival, I don't mean they're brushing their pooches and fluffing up their kitties. They're skinning them and boiling them. And it's, and it's very easy for us to turn around and condemn their 
culinary mm. choices based on our preferences. Mm. But then at the same time, look at us. We love beef in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Cows are sacred in India. Yes. We don't have Indians pointing. Well, we probably do, but we're just oblivious to it. Mm. So I think we all need to be a little bit more open-minded. If we're looking at, back back to Epicure, if we're looking at the price range, of course, it's always, as, uh, uh, I, hate, I hate asking it, but, uh, you know, we have to ask and be practical. Some of us are living on uh, plastic uh, cards <laughs> and money. We have to be practical and ask ourselves and make these dis- discussions and questions a reality beyond just uh, saying, because, uh, you know, sometimes your friend will ask you out and you'll be like, oh, no, I'm sick. That time there's zero balance. <laughs> Yeah, I always sort of check two days before payday. Um, people say, do you want to go out? I say, what day? It's the 24th. I say, well, do you know what? Actually, 26 is better for me because at least then I know um, I've got money. His price is actually very reasonable. And I'm going to quanti- qualify, or quantify that by saying they're very reasonable for what you get. The amount okay. of work, the, the, mm. it's a lavish restaurant to go to. It's mm. no, there are no plastic chairs and cheap lighting and it's the attention to detail this is what i love as well it's like when white people are western and say oh africans are lazy you go and have a look at what chef coco has done at epicure the attention to detail i love his name it is like splitting ends it's like from the details on the knives and the forks the serviettes Forget about the presentation of the food, but then also the art, the lighting, the decor. It really is a faultless restaurant. Having said that, prices would vary from about 50 rand going up to 250 rand. And that all depends on, that's for starters right the way up to mains. That also depends upon what you're ordering. I think he's kept his prices very reasonable. And I don't want to mention marble, but marble could actually be doing the same Mm, thing mm, mm. and charging you 500 rand for a salad. So perception. I think it is all perception. I'm not, I'm actually having a little (laughs) knock at David, Chef David Hick, because I'm a huge fan of his. But I also think it's all relative. You get what you pay for. Mm. And when people say, a marble is horribly expensive, I think. But when you look at Chef David Higgs's experience, when you look at the money that they've invested in their restaurant and mm. also in the training of their staff, you get what you pay for. For me, I like the persona behind him. I feel like I know Chef Coco and I feel like I've been there, the way that you talk about the detail and not plastic chairs. I mean, you may say that our focus is food, but it's a holistic experience. For example, something as I like using the idea of spur. At spur, it's it's a whole experience. You see, you, you can smell it, you feel the ranch aspect of it. They cover all those, and I never realized that about spur. And I think a lot of restaurants, do you think, does it cover that holistic experience when you walk in? Do you feel all of it before you actually eat the food because there's also a mental preparation. There's this one restaurant that really frustrates me, and it's owned by a friend. They have loud, oh God, you're gonna lose a friend. <laughs> loud live band, and they also have a restaurant where people eat. I do not get it. No, meaning my pet hating a restaurant is not bad service, but noise. And I find a lot of restaurants, they love that clinical industrial look. Mm. But when you've got all this hard, because it's easier to maintain, it looks more aesthetically Rustic. pleasing. And also it's more hygienic than upholstery mm. carpets and curtains. But I find if I can't hear myself think, then it just attracts my attention from mm. what I'm eating. Um, I think a lot of restaurants do get the decor right. It's very important. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of restaurants that really go the cheap end where they think we'll focus on the food. Mm. But then if you're not really creating exceptional cuisine and 
Dinos find your decor lacking, mm. then the whole experience sort of falls down. Mm. Another restaurant for me is Glenda's, which is very eclectic. They've got fabulous food, but their decor is matched by their menu as well. So when you go through all these little nooks and crannies, I think each side of the restaurant has got a different sort of theme, mm. but then each side of the menu has got a different kind of theme, and that works for me quite well. So it really depends on how much time and effort the chef invests mm. in creating that dining experience. How, how sustainable is it? I, I, we talk about these restaurants all the time and I, and I worry sometimes because uh, one of my favorite people, if, if Jamie, Jamie Oliver, if I ever yes. started before the whole food um, foodie frenzy, he was for me and I think there was two grannies they used to cook together. I used two to fat love ladies. Two fat ladies. I love those shows but when Jamie Oliver opened up, he's, he shut down his restaurant. I was like, no ways. Someone like Jamie Oliver shutting down a restaurant. Then I realized that running a restaurant and opening a restaurant, there are many people who are passionate about it but it's actually not financially viable. How is it? Is it, is it difficult? Are we just looking at the marketing aspect of it? Can can you tell me behind the scenes, are businesses surviving the food industry? I look at it from two elements. First of all, every chef, in fact, every business person who opens a, a business in this economy has my sympathy. But when I look at a lot of these celebrity chefs, um, Jamie Oliver and also Gordon Ramsay mm. have opened lots of restaurants because they became chains, mm -hmm. they became commercialized franchises mm. and I often say you cannot manage a restaurant remotely if you're a chef. If you're a chef you need to be in your restaurant whereas yet I look at a lot of restaurateurs who are not chefs who might own three or four even a dozen successful restaurants mm. but what they've got is they've got a head chef who's always present in the restaurant mm. maintaining their standards. So mm. I find that works but when you've got a chef opening 10 different restaurants and especially the celebrity chefs who outsource it, mm. normally to investment companies um, who start looking at profits and loss and less at flavor and customer service, mm. it's going to be a recipe for disaster. Hmm. And Epicure, they seem to have struck the right balance in terms of delivering quality, authenticity um, and aesthetics, all of it appeals. Where is it? How do we get there? What are the opening times? Oh, go onto the blog. I've got all those details of when Epicure is open. People can also go onto the Epicure restaurant, mm -hmm. which is epicurerestaurant.coza from what I understand. But it's also convenient for a whole different selection of mm. things. I've actually made a couple of notes. I mean, mm. it's not just fine dining that you're going to get, but you can also go there for lawn picnics. They've got the Epic Bar, which is... Lo Ooh. Eye candy. Ooh, it's not just cocktail candy, it's eye candy. And they've also got a daily compliment that actually supports them. So you can go there for breakfast, lunch and dinner, late night African street food taste. So Chef Coco is really catered for every possible scenario that a diner would want. Mm. And also at every single price point. Mm. They are in Santon, just around the corner in Santon. Oh, okay. The one thing That's that I will big. say that I've heard is that Unfortunately, Epicure in Santon is not always busy. Okay. But what they have got is they either they tend to fluctuate when there are lots of events happening in Santon, mm. they are flooded. And when you have a lot of African countries coming to the Santon area or the Santon Convention Center mm -hmm. for 
exposes something, they are flooded. So again, I think they sometimes suffer from the fact that locals don't think that they can support it. But Chef Coco has been associated with so many fantastic restaurants, Célepois being one of my favorite. Mm-hmm. Again, salt and pepper. Mm. In French, I'm trying to think of the other one that he had. Oh, He's had another two, but this is a man who appeals to everybody. Mm. Um, and a, a good friend of mine, mm. Gwen Bramley Conlon, actually wrote a book with him that went on to become an international bestseller. Wow. So we need to learn how to support. South African restaurants. We need mm. to expose ourselves to, you know, you think, oh, it's Central African food. It's mm. not Central African food. It is just going to take, and I think if you're going to call yourself a foodie, you're going to have to take yourself out of that narrow mindset. Mm. And I like the way you, 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 you presented it because a lot of people sometimes, we are finicky about our stomachs and our tastes. So in order to, sometimes just need a gentle nudge, just a little bit of this, a little bit of that, euphemisms and all those kind of things because at the end of the day, there is socialization and um, you internalize certain things that you've grown up with, like rusks, you don't, you eat them with certain things. You don't have rusks with Coke. <laughs> you <know>? No. <laughs> and then, uh, of course, moving on to something that is... Uh, uh, historical and in all aspects for the future president and past South African jeweler Kevin Friedman has found a favor with Queen Elizabeth. Yes, I found this such a fabulous, interesting story. And the minute I saw Kevin had posted it on Facebook, and he is basically having a freak out. Mm. He is an award winning, internationally regarded jeweler, again, South African. Yay. And he was just flipping through magazines and he saw. And I know we're going to get into the colonial debate. Let's not, please. It's going to come afterwards. <laughs> It'll come I afterwards. You. I don't want to get involved. <laughs> but he saw Queen Elizabeth wearing one of his pieces. And she's actually, I did my research and I found she's worn his piece a couple of times with different outfits. Mm. It is now, I'm not going to get into royal protocol because oh, wow. I'm not a royalist. But apparently that piece, the reason why it made the news is because it is going to be passed on to Meghan Markle and Prince... Harry's... We love us some Megan. <laughs> we love us some Megan. Um, it's going to be passed on to their... I don't know where I'm getting this from now. Mm-hmm. From their daughter or their child. Okay. Will be passed on to Megan. So, but the big thing is it was commissioned by the Botswanian government about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And they told him... So I asked him, I said, how, you des- how do you design for royalty if you don't know mm-hmm. it was going to be worn by her? And he said, well, the Botswanian government just told him it was for a political spouse and please do something. So he did his research. And this, again, is where we start researching and appreciating our heritage. Mm. And he found that Botswana's main exports were millet, diamonds, and gold. Mm. And this is what I love about Kevin Freeman mm. is that he, sorry, I should say it properly, Freedman, not Freeman, because mm-hmm. they sound very similar. Um he uses a lot of recycled gold and he picks up a lot of antiques and leftovers and wooden artifacts and he combines the most extravagant jewelry. And he pushes boundaries, but at the same time, if it's tasteful enough for the queen, it is tasteful enough for anybody. So mm-hmm. I think it's a huge kudos for Kevin Friedman and also the South African. I mean, South Africa is associated with jewels, mm-hmm. but just the fact that it was... Good enough to be worn by Queen Elizabeth. It's been seen around the world. Everybody's paying attention to it. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's going to go to Meghan or Meghan's baby yeah. is... It's 
it's, it's for the liberals, of course, because we love Megan because it's deconstructing the whole idea of traditional royaltiness. Yeah. <laughs> I've already pe- heard people speculating what is their baby going to look like. Mm-mm. And oh, some of the things that people have said are quite, being quite funny, some mm-hmm. have been quite offensive. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, it really does. I know Megan is biracial. Mm-hmm. Um, I know in South Africa would say she's colored, but mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. internationally, she is biracial. Yes, yes. So I'm trying to think, how are you going to get that biracial mm. skin and hair mm. working with a ginger? Like Harry, I'm t- sorry. I've always. I think you're going to make beautiful babies. <laughs> I, also, I love both of them. I just love the idea of Harry, how he's come into being, and from being in, uh, in 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 his brother's shadow for such a long time. Because I both think they're fantastic people, and they uh, do incredible work. Fantastic people. The competition we create in our heads, but at the I think they really espouse who Princess Lady Di was completely. They, she lives in both of them, and beyond our own competition. Um, they're just great people to look at. And yeah, congratulations to Kevin Friedman. It comes at the back of the South African Fashion Awards. Were you in attendance? I don't think... Or is it something that you feel is... Um, I don't... Uh, that is such a political okay. subject for me. It does, it does, it's got... Actually, Kevin Friedman's success has got nothing to do with the SA Fashion Week. Exactly. And the reason why I actually was personally interested in his story and mm. wanted to interview him was because when he said he was freaking out, I thought, why are you freaking out? Surely you knew. But I remember having an article published in The Star mm. and they never told me it was published. It was only three, four months later. Mm. And I picked up the newspaper three times and put it down, picked it up and I was reading this one article and I thought, this is quite clever. This is quite funny. And then mm. I thought, this is something I could have written. Mm-hmm. And then when I scrolled up to the byline, it said, written by Edward Chamberlain Bell. And I thought, it had been such a long Look time. you. It'd been, <laughs> but it had been such a long time, I'd forgotten what I'd written. Oh. And it gave me such a thrill. Mm. Um, so I can well imagine for him, he is such a prolific designer. He's been... Mm. Obviously, he does designs every single day, mm. and you don't remember mm. per se what you did 10 years ago. Mm. And then you asked him, said, did you recognize it immediately? And he thought, no. At first, he thought it was pretty. Then he thought it was quite good. And then he thought it, obviously, he's not, not going to say it was yeah. questionable. Yeah. He thought it was pretty. It was good. It was interesting. And then he thought, looks like something I could have done. And then he read, oh, my God, the queen is wearing something that I designed. And then when he went through his records, he found, oh, yes, it was commissioned by the Botswanian mm. government. It's, a, it's an ongoing discussion. I, I'm infatuated with the idea of creating because there's so much that goes with it. Even when, for example, radio is something that you need to be creative of and the anxiety that comes with creating, that fear, I've, I've learned that, there's a good aspect of that anxiety because it means that you care about it. Yes. And um, but there's a lot of listeners who may know that I used to, I, I tend to laugh a lot and giggle when I'm anxious. And they, they, a lot of, some understand, but some are like, why are you laughing? It's not a, it's not a funny issue. What's wrong with you? Fix that. And I'm like, there's, it doesn't say anything about my lack of, it's that idea, that exact shock of creating to say that I can't believe I've created something like this, but I'm going to talk about that and what, I want to touch on what you just said now. There's little idiosyncrasies that you have that you might be self-conscious of. Mm. It's part of your personality. And people listening will either love it or hate it, but that's their business. I know when I first started on radio, I hate the sound of my voice because it always sounds so nasally and I've got this drawl. And then when I started, and it's like I always tell people, Mm. 
Imagine what your voice sounds like on voicemail multiplied to 80,000 listeners on 702. Mm. That's what your voice sounds like to you. Mm. And then I started speaking very prim and proper and try to sound like a radio producer. <laughs> and then I realized... <laughs> That's not it. <laughs> and then I realized it was just too hard. And then I started talking and then I realized I've got a very quick wit sense of humor i say things off the cuff and that's what i love about radio is people yeah. who read what i write they might say oh that's a bit vicious but it's when they true. hear the tone in my voice i say oh it's my completely. god that was actually quite funny i think radio edward facebook edward twitter edward completely different people real life edward it's crazy and this talks about tone and style i guess yes but uh, of course uh, i think something that's really that i love that you encourage and you're a part of sun city is announcing a big birthday bash and you're invited we're all invited it seems we are all invited i suppose we should just add a disclaimer you're invited if you prepare to pay and <laughs> we don't know what those costs are yet but sun city recently celebrated the announcement of their big four O, it culminates wow 40 years 40 years i mean can you believe that it? is incredible and there's it's, i don't know what it is about sun city but sun mm, city mm. is one of those destinations disneyland worse than disneyland vegas um <laughs> but it creates i often think of sun city as sin city what stays at, what mm. happens at sun city stays at sun city and what i love about sun city is the kind of destination that creates fomo Ever since we were children, mm. and it was in That's where I'm stuck, Ed. Sorry to disturb you. I'm stuck because the, there's that fantasy childlike idea of Sun City Valley of the Waves. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm obviously from the coast, so I wasn't really excited by it. But the whole idea of having our own entertainment, I'm stuck at the child aspect. I haven't progressed to the adult idea of Sun City. So can you give us a clearer picture of how you identify with Sun City? For me, I've got fond memories of a child always being jealous of the Joburg kids who went yes. to Sun City. Yes. I still want to spit blood when I think about the friends of mine who went to go see Olivia Newton-John mm. perform at Sun City. Um, and we did go a couple of times as teenagers when we moved up to Johannesburg. Mm. And I'll tell you a very salacious story later if there's time. <laughs> but now what I've also found is, I mean, I went to Sun City through media invitations four times last year. Mm. And even being invited to Miss South Africa, there are other performances that they've had. I've actually found there's a lot of wholesome entertainment. Mm. There's a lot of fine dining. There is good food. There's healthy activities. Sun City invited me to spend 24 hours in Soho, which I made mm -hmm. 48 hours. I promise you, I felt like an action man. I had a workout in terms of hiking, flying, parachuting, paragliding, um, doing water. Mm. And I want to say water sports because <laughs> <laughs> it's got a nasty connotation. Yeah. But I find Sun City is one of those destinations it's about excess and it's about over the top. And I find every single hotel launch that I've gone to, nobody pulls out all the stops in terms of an extravaganza mm. the way that Sun City does. And I often worry about the detail because I get the big sell, but how do I imagine myself in those experiences? Put yourself in them. Okay. And then... Uh, in terms of times and datelines, how can we be part of it? Can you just give us a bit more detail if there are people who are like, oh, okay, maybe I do need to engage with Sun City as an adult for this birthday experience specifically? They have got multiple events, if I'm not mistaken, actually weekly events. They've got 40 events building up to the big 
birthday bash on the 7th of December. Mm -hmm. And the big event is going to be quite phenomenal because some of the entertainers that they've got include AKA Mikasa Quest and also Mm. Good Luck. But then also when I look at all of the other events that they do in terms of the Nedbank golf thing that they've got. They've also got the ladies' treatments. Yeah. I really do hope that they bring Miss South Africa back to Sun City. Mm. I don't think Miss South Africa is fabulous at mm. Times Square, mm. but I think mm. Miss South Africa belongs at mm. Sun City. But they're just going to have all these events building up, building up, building up. So mm. we don't know what the details I are like the yet. consistency in the strategy. We have been, we've just been told to watch but the big birthday is the 7th of December, 2019. That's the sun. So, yes. I was just going to say, when we went to the Big 4.0 announcement launch, which was last week, that's what I love about Mm. Sun City is the managers although I've never really met them personally mm. all know me either mm. they follow me on Twitter or they've read or they've seen what I've done mm. and what I loved was we were at the on-call bar mm. and the one manager he just mentioned let's get you a drink and he said oh but you're a champagne boy and I said listen I'll drink anything but it turns out they didn't have champagne okay. being French champagne so I said we're going to drink local so we had Graham Beck and we had Sternberg and we just stuck to mm. good South African MCCs. But this is what I love about Sun City and Sun mm. International. They never stint. I think I must have had three bottles by myself. <laughs> and if you go into my Facebook page and you see me performing karaoke, it really was an alcohol-fueled inspired performance. Mm. But Everything that Sun Internationalist does, and I'm thinking especially of the Miss South Africa launches and the Miss South Africa events, Mm -hmm. over-the-top extravagance, over-the-top excess, and there is nothing is, there are no short corners or Mm -hmm. shortcuts with anything that they do. So anyhow, I was very impressed and I'm very excited to see what is going to happen on the big day. And of course, that is the birthday bash for Sun City, 40... Years they're celebrating, and you're, you're you're being asked to keep an eye on all those forty elements that they're having in their long-term strategy. But the city of Joburg is also having an Easter weekend bonanza. Can you tell us more? Ed? The city of Johannesburg. This is what I find. We often hear complaints about Johannesburg not delivering. Mm-hmm. But a good friend of mine, Laura Verkule, she does a lot of marketing and PR for the city of Johannesburg. And she was telling me, she said, you know, the biggest thing about Johannesburg is, is they don't appreciate, she's associated mm-hmm. with the tourism aspect mm-hmm. of Johannesburg. But when you see everything that is wrong with Johannesburg in mm-hmm. terms of potholes mm-hmm. and derelict buildings, and I think Herman Mashaba is doing a fabulous job yeah, with urban renewal. Give the man his juice. He's mm. got a lot of problems, but he's also achieving a lot. I'm and glad you mentioned that, especially considering the first discussion we had. Yes. But when we look at what the and you know, you can't fix everything in the city at once. So mm. maybe there are potholes, but at the same time, City of Johannesburg Tourism is doing a lot to promote Johannesburg. And what I love is that it's not just being prom- it's not just promoting Johannesburg to foreigners and tourists. Local. It's actually encouraging in fact Laura's exact words, mm. staycation, which is my I get goosebumps because that's Did my Did she originate that? I don't know. I don't think she originated okay. it, but was term, in- nonetheless. included in her article and 
a couple of things that she was, because we're celebrating so many things coming up over Easter. I mean, we've got the Nazrek, mm. the annual rancher at Nazrek. Of course. But then also there's so many great restaurants that you can go to. The Secret Garden in Four Ways, which is a lovely family destination to go to. City of Johannesburg is promoting them. And then also if you a bit of a chocolate Mm-hmm. Chocoholic, they recommend milk chocolates because everybody loves chocolates. And there's this wonderful little cafe mm. in Nickelway where you can get everything from the best, what Joe Berg says, mm. is the best chocolate milkshakes to the best cupcakes on offering Joe Berg. Oh, wow. And then also recommending a couple of facilities that we've either forgotten or take it for granted is mm. go to the Zoo Lake Swimming Pool. Um, before you pull up your nose at the suggestion, because mm. a lot of people don't think of public swimming pools as being destinations that you want to go to. Because, mm. okay, not that everybody has got a swimming pool, but swimming pools are a lot more affordable. And also if you go to a gym, mm. you've got the option of using a swimming pool or the hydro facilities. But if you're looking for a cheap and affordable day out with your family, especially with your kids, you've got the option of going to Zoo Lake Swimming Pool and you've also got the Zoo Lake Park. Mm. I know a lot of times on a Saturday or Sunday, a lot of families go out and picnic there. Mm. I'm trying to think of a couple of other parks that are really quite... No, because, uh, and I'm guilty of this as a coastal person, I often envy and talk about the na- how you can have fun without taking out money. And in Cape Town, you can go to so many different places. Of course, safety is an issue uh, where you can go. A friend of mine was talking about how she just took her son for a walk and it didn't cost her a cent. I was like, that's amazing because he was discovering nature, engaging with animals and in the forest. It was a great experience. So it's good to hear that in Johannesburg, we have those experiences and then lastly before I get into trouble Ed you of course have giveaways Uh, you're not just a taker you're also a giver Uh, in terms of our listeners you always have these fantastic giveaways inviting us into these amazing events and experiences what do you have for us today believe it or not this is not a giveaway from me but I'm taking credit for it Mm -hmm. obviously we've a couple of weeks ago we gave away tickets to you go see Manning Tutu's front row with Josie style at Monte Casino. But yesterday, Manning Tutu's, their publicist, Colab, oh, Colab Dawson, Colette Dawson from the Colab Network, announced that if you are going to Manning Tutu's and you take a selfie and you post it online with the hashtags which I've shared on Twitter, mm-hmm. you can win two nights at the Genesis All Suite Hotel, which is in Bedford, if I'm not mistaken. It's two bedrooms for two people. So if you're a couple going through a divorce, this is something for you. And it's worth six and a half thousand rand. But now what I find so funny, somebody had a problem getting their tickets, Mm. not through me, but through some other blogger. So they tagged me Mm. and I thought I can't ignore it because I don't want to be associated with not delivering Mm. on Mm. prizes. So I just suggested the correct thing to do is just contact the blogger and get the tickets. And then a whole discussion started that I wasn't part of. And then four hours later, I picked up my phone. And then I saw everybody was retweeting and saying, this guy said he was giving away tickets. And then everybody was like saying, but Josie Styles giving away six and a half thousand rand holiday accommodation if you go and see many tutus. And I thought, I did explain I can't take credit for somebody else's work because I know how hard it is mm. when people take credit for my work mm. online. Um but I just couldn't resist. Retweet, I'm taking credit for that. <laughs> well, Colette did actually retweet it herself. So I thought it's good enough for her to retweet. It's good enough for me 
for me to retweet. And we never have enough time. And I shamefully always have to cut us off. Uh, before I let you go, can I please? Can we please get your contact details? Where can our listeners find you? Where can get the podcast and all this amazing information you share? Contact details always. My blog www.josiestyle.joburg. All of my social media platforms are Josie Style, one word, that's J-O-Z-I, with capital S-T-Y-L-E, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And I must admit, 702 listeners are very resourceful at finding me because they often message me through Facebook, Twitter, or through my blog if they don't get what they want. And then also a podcast. I can't tell you because it is. We're going to have to ask our sound engineer what mm. that URL is. But I always share the podcast and I tag 702. And normally we get the podcast within 30 minutes and I listen to it straight away and criticize myself. And then the following day or two, I share it. Yeah, and I think that's it's our on the 702. It's on the 702. Yeah. Why don't I know the name of this? It's on the 702 podcast list. Yeah, Look it up. Yeah, that's Edward Chamberlain Bell, an award-winning blogger, influencer, and digital marketer. Thank you so much and have a great day further, Ed. Likewise. Thank you.